1 Corinthians 13. There's no time to waste. We have a lot to learn today. Are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? That's the question that we're asking today. Are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? Have you thought about the person that you're looking for? I bet you think of like, right, some of us think of tall, dark, and handsome, right? Uh, some of us think of lots and lots of money. Some of us think of great personality or kind. Some of us think of faithful and forgiving. For as many people as are here, as many people as we think of when we think of um, looking for a person. But my question is, are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? In other words, when you sit down and you say, I'm looking for faithful, kind, loving, you know, I'm looking for merciful and forgiving, I'm looking for uh, compassionate and, and loving, that person that you just described, are they looking for you? Uh, there's a story. Andy Stanley tells this story. It's not mine. It's his. And he said how he got a phone call from a girl. Uh, not a phone call. He had a, he had a conversation with a girl. And she was telling him her story and how God had really used her mom to sort of change her direction. But here's what happened. The girl uh, was telling Andy Stanley, she said, you know, I had gone to college and I had started to do what college, a lot of the college girls were doing. I was you know, consuming alcohol, I was becoming promiscuous. And so she was kind of going in this range and this route. And then she said she had a party. There was a party that she went to, and she found a guy who loved Jesus, who was saving himself for his wife. How cool a guy is that, right? Who was good-looking, he was kind, he was funny, he was, you know, just... Pursuing God. God was like the number one thing in his life. And so she met him at a party. And, you know, they became friends and kind of, you know, doing that thing. And so she was excited. So she called her mom and she said, Mom, I found this guy. And she just, you know, she described to her, her mom what I just described to you about this guy. And, um, and the mother, with not any anger or malice in her voice, but the mother said, Baby, a guy like that is not looking for you. What a profound statement, right? That the guy that you just described is not looking for the drunk, sexually promiscuous girl on campus. Now, which brings us to the question that we just asked a couple of seconds ago. And now, because, because that was done and said in love, and that wasn't a malicious thing, it was a loving thing, it was what a mother who loves her daughter would ask. I, as a loving pastor, am asking you, are you the person that you're looking for, is looking for? Are you who loving, merciful, kind, you know, compassionate, blah, 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 are you who they are looking for? Now, my prayer is during this service that you would realize that you and I simply do not have what it takes to be loving. We're too self-centered, too self-seeking, too consumed with ourselves. Isn't it true? My love is so conditional. I don't know about yours. My love is unbelievably conditional. I get into arguments with my wife. You know why I get into arguments with my wife? Because I don't get what I want. That's why. I'm the only one I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm by myself here. But try this. The next time you have a fight with your wife, the next time you have a fight with your spouse, the next time you have a fight with your kids, the next time you have a fight with your friend, I want you to do this. You know why we're having this argument? You know why, we're, why this is going so bad? Because I'm not getting what I want. Try that. Try that. But that's the reason I, I, my love is so conditional. My love is so, it's so needy. But God calls us to a love that's greater than that. And so what I want you to know, I'm going to give you the jump, you know, I'm going to give you that 
I'll give you the big idea. Are you the person that, to become the person that you're looking for, is looking for, you have to look to Christ. Here's a principle. You will become what you love. You will become what you admire. You will become what you look to, find delight in, worship. That's what you'll become. That's why so many girls are having now, you have you noticed how, how bulimia is just like totally on the rise? What are they doing? Well, they admire, they worship the, the bulimic 10-year-old boys that they call women now, right? Have you ever seen the models now? They look like 10-year-old boys, right? They're these, they're these walls, right? These skinny, unfigurative walls. And that now girls will look at that and go, that's beautiful. That's what I want. And they don't understand that the, the woman who's modeling didn't eat for four days before she stepped on the stage or took the photo shoot. I have a, a friend, John, who's gorgeous. He's beautiful. And, um, and he, you know, he's, he's the guy that I feel very insecure with when I'm with him in the gym. We went to the gym for the first time and he changed his shirt. I said, I'm not changing my shirt. I'm going to leave my button shirt. I'll work out with my button shirt. Thank you very much. I ain't changing my shirt around, John. He's gorgeous. And he is. And, um, and he said how he went to a photo shoot and how he wouldn't eat for three days. He would take water pills and all this other stuff. But guys will look at that and they'll go, oh, girls will look at that and they'll, uh, you know, in, in the girl form. And the guys will look at that in the guy form and say, well, that's what I want. That's what I, and you become generally what you look at and you make yourself sick and you, you, know, you throw up. And you, what are you doing? You're becoming like that which you worship. If you don't believe me, guys, listen to me. Some of you guys wound, wound up in a world of suffering and pain because the coolest guy on the block was the guy who was breaking most of the laws. And you try to be like that guy. And you don't understand that that guy, when you were six years old, the guy that you were looking at when you were six years old saying, wow, that's cool, you don't understand that that guy is still calling the shots in your life. Isn't that crazy? Because you become like what you worship. You become like what you love. A funny way to show this is we have some pictures uh, behind me. I'm going to move out of your way. And the first one is a couple who's married for a long time. And I just want you to see this picture. It's kind of cute. If we could go back to it. Um, Or not. Um, Yeah, so what you saw was uh, a picture of a, a woman and a man and they've been married for a really long time, and they look just like each other. Um, they do, they do, it's, and it's it's very funny. Now the next one is um, uh, the next one is another picture that we're just going to completely skip because I hate technology. All right, um, so you become what you look like. There was a funny way you would have laughed, you would have enjoyed it. Take my word for it. The 9 a.m. service laugh. Um, but that's the truth. You become like what you're looking for. And so the question is, what are you looking to? Are you looking to yourself? Are you looking to what you're getting? Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Because the only way we're ever going to be made loving, holy, the only way that we get changed is by God changing us. And you know how that happens? Thinking, pondering, meditating on Jesus. Now I'm going to teach you how to do that in this text. But I don't want you to miss my point. My point is, your love stinks. Tell the person next to you, your love stinks. Especially... Okay. And if your spouse is, if your spouse is looking at each other, you know you, you know you mean every bit of that. Your love stinks. Sure, your love stinks. You know why your love stinks? Because it's so, it's so self-centered. It's not giving. Watch this. Christ's love. Mm. Now that's what, that's the kind of love we want to love with. That's the kind of love that'll last a lifetime. That's the kind of love that'll change you from your head to your toes. It's Christ's love. So, everybody turn to your Bible. Open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We are going to read every single word together. It's worthy of our reading. Now, 
Paul is writing this letter. It's, I should tell you this much. Paul is writing this letter. Chapter 13, listen to me. The reason chapter 13 is chapter 13 is because it's right after chapter 12 and just before chapter 14. Let me tell you what I mean by that. What I mean is that chapter 13 is in the very middle of an argument, that, not an argument, but a point that Paul is trying to make about service. Chapter 12, see, what happened was is that the Corinthian church always, all the people at the Corinthian church wanted the sexy gifts. You know what I mean by sexy gifts? Like the out in front, under the spotlight, you know, singing, playing instruments, making announcements, speaking before the congregation. You know, they wanted the sexy gifts. Uh, in their case, it was uh, uh, speaking in tongues and prophesying and sexy gifts. And, uh, and what Paul was trying to do is make a point that that's not, that's, not what they, that that's not the most excellent thing. And in fact, in the very first few verses of chapter 13, in the last verse of chapter 12, he says, let me show you a more excellent way. And he's going to tell them about love. He's going to tell them. Now, I know. I know. Okay. What did I just last say? Okay, no, no, before that. You don't know. Okay, the reason is because you faded out. Now, I want you to, sit, I want you to look, into me, look to me because I'm going to tell you something important. I cannot convince you. There's some of you who were brought up in a religious, legalistic home, and you think that everything I say is about you working up your power, your energy to be better. I, other than telling you that your love stinks, you can't do this. I don't know how to be any clearer than that. You cannot do what I'm about to tell you to do. You cannot do what the Bible's asking you to do. It is impossible. Your love is too needy. I wonder if I can shoot, I wonder if I need to shoot this any straighter. You stink at love. I'm not asking you to give us more of your stink. I'm asking you to look at God's love and let that love transform you till you become loving. But I know that there are some of you who can't hear that. I know that you're going to leave this message and you're just going to try harder. And you're going to do better. I, just, I wish I could just shake you and say, no, it's not your love that's needed here. It's Christ's love. It's Christ's love. Listen to me. Your kids, your kids, they need Christ's love. Your wife, she needs Christ's love. Your husband, he needs Christ's love. Your friends, they need Christ's love. Hey, hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Your soul, when you talk to yourself, Christ's love. That's what you need. So we're not going to talk about a better way for you to become more loving. More Stop it. Stop it. If you haven't gotten better by now, you won't get better. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about meditating on Christ till seeing him changes us. Just like we saw the guy on the block and we loved and respected and admired him. We became like that guy. We're going to love, worship, and honor Jesus and He's going to make us like him. You ready to read, folks? Let's stand because we love God's word. I'll stand with you. We're going to read together all of chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's do it together, okay? One, two, three. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. So what I want you to see in the first three verses and in the last few verses is that Paul wants to make it clear. Listen to me. It's not about these super Christian things that you do that make you spiritual. It's not the, the you know who the most loving person is in this room? I'm, I'm sorry, most loving person. You know who the most spiritual person is in this room? Not the per- Listen, it's the person who loves. It's the person who loves. I'm not talking about, because I understand that we come from some broken backgrounds. I'm not talking about what, you, what some of us call love that's really codependence. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm not saying, I'm not saying um, I'm going to love that person over there. I'm going to love that person over there. Um, and I'm going to sacrifice my morals. I'm going to sacrifice my belief system. I'm going to sacrifice my joy. I'm going to sacrifice my happiness so that they can give me something that I want. Um, in, in, in your popular circles, they call that codependency. It's actually called idolatry. What you do is you worship that person. And then when they don't, and, uh, and you do anything that you can to get, listen, this is why so many young girls are willing to just give them, themselves away to these guys because they go, well, I'll do this if you'll love me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about giving to get. Well, I gave you my ham sandwich yesterday. You should share with me your ham sandwich today. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. I'm talking about a selfless, Christ-centered, God-exalting, Jesus-faming love that transforms you from the inside, that that doesn't look for pats on the back, that doesn't look for accolades. It's the kind of love that says, I will love you because Christ has loved me so well and my love overflows from Christ's love. You can't give what you haven't received, right? And here's the news. If you're in Christ, you've received a love and a joy and a receptivity and an acceptance from Christ that will help you to give a love, a joy, a receptivity, right? You've received, you've received a forgiveness from Jesus that overflows into forgiving others. You've received a mercy from Christ that's overflowed in mercy to others. You've rece- Do you see what I'm saying here? It's, it all comes from Jesus. It's, it's all about Jesus. So you see that in the first three verses. You could look that up later, but I want you to jump to verse four. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Now, let me ask you something. Who of you look like this? Raise your hand, I just want to see you. No? Right. Yeah, none of us look like this, right? I mean, we want to look like this, but I don't. Love is patient. I'm not patient. I'm not, I'm not even patient at a checkout counter. And that's like the fastest thing in the world, man. I'm not patient at the DMV. I'm certainly not patient with the people that I love. I'm not patient. Patient? That's not me. So then how do I become patient? I don't. Here's what you do. Try harder. Do better. And when you're not patient, go like this. Bad Christian, you're not patient. Bad Christian, you're not patient. But for some of you, listen to me, for some of you, I'm describing your spiritual maturity, your spiritual maturity process. Bad Christian, bad recovering addict, you should have been more patient. 
you should try harder. That doesn't, that doesn't help. So, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to allow, I'm trying to allow the gospel to get into every area of your life. The gospel is not just for salvation. The gospel is for every moment of our lives. That as we see Jesus crucified on the cross, loving us well, saving, sanctifying us, changing us, as we see all he's done for us, that changes you. Remember, um, oh, this movie I hate it so much, but everybody else loves it, um, Titanic. Anybody here ever saw Titanic? Can't stand Titanic, right? Hate to, it has a great, like in the middle of it, like the hour and a half, has some great illustrations about the brevity of life that are brilliant. But in the, towards the end of the movie, the, the, the guy, what's his name, Jack, right? Jack, huh? Jack Dawson, Jack Dawson right. Okay, so there are some, <laughs> right, who just, some, half of the women shut me off because I said I didn't like uh, the Titanic. That's great. Okay, um, sorry. I like it now. Um, so um, I really do need your approval. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, so Jack is he's dying, right, and he's doing the sacrificial thing. And, and here's what happened. The woman, and this you can take away from there that's very beautiful. That the way the woman, uh, the, Jack's love changed the woman is what I'm trying to say. That she kept on referring back to that. It was that moment that changed her life. It's what made her be adventurous. It's what made her go into the direction. His love changed her. Christ's love changes you. And we're not talking about a sacrifice for a minute or a minute and a half. His eternal love changes us. His sacrifice on the cross, the way he forgives us, informs the way we forgive others. The way he loves us informs the way we love others. So let's look at this verse again. Love is patient. Wait. So this relationship here is requiring my patience. Do you see that, right? And, and whatever your relationship is, right? Your relationship is requiring whatever. It's your daughter. It's your son. It's your husband. It's your grandmother. It's your parents. This requires patience. And so your first reaction is similar to mine, I bet. I wonder. Um, it's, you know what? This is ridiculous. We've been doing this for a while now. You need to change. I can't handle this. You can't do this for the rest of our life. This is crazy. And you call yourself a Christian. And, you know, all the stupid stuff that comes out of our mouths when we lose patience. Right? But if we can pause for a second and say, Jesus, did you ever need patience with me? And just sit with that and hear him say, Ooh, yeah, oh my. And then you can follow that question up with another question. Really? When? And he'll go, remember when I called you as a little girl at six years old and you gave your heart to me and then at 12 years old, some stupid boy who said he would love you forever but didn't love you for more than three months, um, uh, swept you away from me, you sinned with him, and you ran away with him, and you totally forgot about me. I've been patient since then. Remember when you, uh, when you said you would uh, um, uh, come back to me, and you came back for all of two weeks, but and then another girl came into your life, and you ran with her, and just, you know. What happens when that happens? You, that was your patience towards me? See, you're receiving from Jesus, and that overflow. You think about that enough, and it'll make, listen, think about that till your hairs stand up. And so nobody has ever needed my patience like Jesus has been patient with me. Nobody. But you reflect and you meditate on it, and it's out of that. So it's no longer bad Christian, do better, bad Christian, be more patient. It's Jesus, show me. Show me how you've been patient with me. So, and then out of that overflow, naturally. Listen, the girl on the Titanic 
had no choice but to be transformed by that kind of love. She couldn't have gone any other way. So it is when those who reflect on the love of Christ. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, Verse 4. We're still there. Love is patient. Love is kind. Let's look at kind for a second. Okay. Kind. In other words, to be an altruist. To give, not because you've been given, but just because you're giving. I'm not, I'm not being loving to you. I'm not going to forgive you this time so that, all right. So I'm not going to go when you're late. Here's, here's what kind is not. You're late, so I'm going to be very kind to you when you're late so that when I'm late, you'll be kind to me, right? So I'm Mr. Late a lot. And then um, you come and you're late once and I go, oh, don't worry, so that I have a little ammunition in my, uh, in my, uh, in my gun so that when I'm late the 50,000 times after that, you'll go, I, I, can, I can always go back, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind to you when you're late. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being kind. Have you ever needed Jesus' kindness? Is there anybody in your life who doesn't deserve your kindness? I bet you could think of two or three. Right? Right? The landlord who tried to get you kicked out of the house because he could raise the rent if he could just get you out of the apartment. I'm not going to be kind to him. Uh, the, the, the guy who said he was going to love you forever, got you pregnant, and then left. I'm not going to be kind to him. You want to see these kids? You're going to have to take me to court. I'm not. I'm not going to be I'm, uh, uh, kind to the, to the girl who, who spoke um, that terrible rumor about me. I'm not going to be kind to her. There are people in our lives that we've already agreed don't deserve our kindness. Pause. Remember what we were saying? Jesus... Was there ever a time I never, I didn't deserve your kindness? And then Jesus goes, <laughs> yeah, once or twice. Some of you right now, what I'm talking about is incredibly emotional. Because what you desperately need is to receive the kindness of Christ and then extend that kindness to someone else. Some of us here are as mean as snakes because you don't understand the kindness that has been bestowed upon you in Christ. You're not forgiven because you don't feel forgiven. You're not kind because you don't feel being kind towards. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Let's look at this together, okay? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't envy. Let's look at envy. Love. So I've been looking for a job, let's say, for the last 14 years. Somebody comes to Christ 12 minutes ago, and they get, like, the corner office, right, with the beautiful view of Manhattan, and they're making six figures, and you go, that's unfair. Wait, 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 wait. They don't deserve that. I've been pursuing you. I've been serving you, God, for all these years. And look, you give them the job. They've only been a Christian for 12 minutes. Listen to me. Listen to me. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You know, God, I've been working in this business and it's not going anywhere. You know, God, I've been working in this church and it's not growing the way I want to. You know, God, I've been investing in this individual. And they just, you know, and I just envy why do they get the good guy? Why do they get the good girl? Why do they get the money? Why do they get the... And, and Jesus... And you know what you're doing when that happens? You're informing Jesus that you really aren't pursuing him for who he is. You're pursuing him for what he gives. See, I don't really want Jesus. No, 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 no. I want Jesus insofar as Jesus will fix my marriage. I don't want Jesus. I want Jesus insofar as Jesus fixes my relationship. I don't want Jesus insofar as Jesus makes me popular. Jesus gets me money. Jesus makes me... See, I'll follow Jesus so long as Jesus gives me my God. My God is that girl or those finances. 
My God is this relationship or the way I view myself, my, my image. My God is my health. My God is, and I'll worship Jesus as long as he gives me my God, and oh my, doesn't envy. So, in moments like that, what can we do? We can go, wait, 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 let me see. Jesus, have you ever given me anything that I don't deserve? Have you ever blessed me with something that I didn't earn? You know what Jesus will say? I wonder if you know. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you about an early afternoon on a Friday one day. I was righteous. I was holy. You were looking for a job for 12 years. I was holy on this earth for 33 years. I faced temptations that you can't even wrap your brain around. I experienced all the power of sin and hell and death and Satan on my shoulders. And I took it so that you in a moment could have deep intimacy with me. Don't be envious. So I've given you what you didn't deserve, and I give to them what they don't deserve, and it looks different for you, and it looks different for them. But rejoice. He's Lord. Let's keep on going. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Let's look at that. doesn't dishonor others. You know, it's easy. You can dishonor people when they're not in the room. Did you know that? You can dishonor people. You can dishonor people without a word. Someone's talking to you. Hey, um, did you hear, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just do it. Hey, did you hear Pastor Edwin's sermon? Yeah, I did. You know, and just by, you dishonor somebody. With, with, and, and for the people who are listening to this, I rolled my eyes. That wasn't an incredible, I'm not a Puerto Rican girl, so I can't roll my eyes really good. But you have to be a Puerto Rican girl. Black girls got it too, but the Puerto Rican girls have taken it to another level. Um, so yeah, you, can honor, you can dishonor somebody with, with your facial expressions. You can dishonor people with your, you know, you can dishonor somebody. You can dishonor somebody um, by simply not being there for them. I know that there's so many people, right, like, you know, this, this is a really important anniversary or this is a really important uh, celebration or this isn't. And you just go, nah, I'm just not going to. I'm not talking about, like, when you're out of town and you can't make it. I, I mean, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this is really important to me. Would you please sacrifice and come? And you go, oh, yeah, I'll go. And then you don't. When you don't keep your word, you dishonor somebody. Okay. Um, it it don't, doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Listen to me. Listen to me. If I talked to your friends, would they say you're easily angered? L let me ask you this. Let me ask it right. Yeah, I know. Everybody, look at, you know, oh, there. Is it like, nah. Uh, no, just, I'm not talking about what you think. I'm saying, and I know you have a bunch of excuses on why they, oh, but they would say that because, you know, they, blah, 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 and you have all these excuses and all that other stuff. You know, if they understood, if they only knew, if they, da, 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 da. Isn't it interesting? When others sin against us, we don't want to hear it. But when we sin against others, we got all, so, but you don't understand. It's because of this and this and this and this. I get it. I get it. Me too. Me too. I'm not, listen, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to me. Are you easily angered? Would people say this about you? I have to walk on eggshells when I'm around her. I have to walk on eggshells when I'm around him. Anything will set up. Okay, listen. Let me give you a couple of tests so that you can know. Because everybody else around you knows that you're easily angered. I want to help you know. Okay? <laughs> Here's the test. If you've ever said, if these words have ever come out of your mouth, yeah, but if you, you know that if you do that, I'm not. If you've ever informed somebody that the reason that you're angry is their fault, you know, yeah, but you know, you know, you know that that pushes my buttons. 
But you know that you're not supposed to do that. If you're, you're easily angered. You're just easily angered. If you've ever had to inform somebody that they're the cause of your rage, you're easily angered. Okay. It keeps no record of wrongs. I used to tease um, in my family, uh, when we get angry at each other, we don't get hysterical, we get historical. Right? <laughs> Is your family like that? Right? You don't bring up what's happening, you bring up what's yeah, back there. None of you are like that, so I won't even... Um, no, but it, it doesn't... Here, watch this. Think about this. He cheated on me. I was a loving wife. I was a dutiful um, spouse. And he cheated on me. Went outside the relationship. I decided, after many months of counsel with my pastor, to forgive him because I, you know that that's not easy to overcome amen that's pretty rough and so now we get into an argument it's 8 years later we get into an argument and he's got me dead to rights he's right i'm wrong i feel trapped in a corner he's not giving me what i want but you know and you bring up what you said you forgave. Oh, love doesn't do that. Stop that. Love doesn't do that. Jesus, the Bible in the Old Testament, says this. He says, I will throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Now, do you know that that, does, that can't possibly mean that God forgets or doesn't know. You know how like people say, oh, forgive and forget? You can't forget. You can't. Has anybody here ever forgotten a trauma that's been happened to them? Like, you can't. It's, it's there. But what God is saying when he says he'll throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'll never bring it up again. I'll never bring it up again. I'll never bring it up again. So you go, so now we pause for a second. And they got, and we're having an argument, and I can remember eight years ago, and I can remember, and I, I'm just, you know, I feel, uh, I feel hurt, I feel wounded, um, you know, I'm the wife that was, you know, did everything right, and I just feel wounded and all that other stuff. Okay, so now watch this. God, are there any sins that you can remember or that you can bring up that I've committed? Any at all? Oh, my. Oh, my. Do you think that Jesus can think of maybe one or two of your sins? Maybe one? Maybe two? Perhaps? Maybe in the 70s, because I know you haven't sinned in a long time, right? Maybe in the 80s, maybe there was one time you messed up, right? Stole that paper clip from work, I understand, right? Maybe one or two. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying, listen to me, listen. You're saying the king of the universe who demands holiness and perfection will never again bring up your sin to your face. You're saying that. And you're going to bring up, oh, as I look to Jesus, and as I see that he's forgiven, and he's been merciful, and he's been kind, and he's been loving, and he's been overwhelmingly forgiving to me, and has, listen to me, never brought it up again. Out of the unbelievable gratitude that I have in knowing that and meditating on that, I can forgive, if I'm a wife, forgive my husband. Somebody wake him up. Okay. It's okay. okay. I understand. It's good. All right. Um, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Listen to this. And, and let me just talk to a couple. I just want to talk about this one phrase in, in verse 6. 
um, for the gossips here, and there's a few of you. Um, I love you, but it's awful how you're hurting the people around you. It's just you're doing incredible dishonor, incredible harm. Some of you are sanctified in doing it. You do it as a form of prayer request. Oh, you know, pray for Susie. She's sleeping around again, you know. Um, I don't know how you do it, right? And, and some of you, listen to me, some of you. Some of you just enjoy hearing the latest tidbit of gossip. Listen, listen to this verse. Love doesn't delight. You know, something bad happens to your boss. Something bad happens to that person you don't like. Something negative happens to the person that you're having conflict with. Love doesn't delight in that. Love doesn't take joy in that. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this is where we'll end. Now, watch this. Okay. Who here, who here would say that this ex- describes, this, this passage right here from 4 to 8, really describes how you live? This is really you. Right. Okay, it's not you. Okay, right. Because you know what? This is describing Jesus. And you have access to Jesus. And so since we already, remember how at the beginning, remember how I said your love stinks? And now I proved it to you? Right? Okay. Now that we all agree that our love stinks, let's turn to Jesus. Let's use the gospel in every area of our lives. Let's look towards his love that can transform our love into real love. Does that make sense? So what I want us to do is I want us to be a church that looks to Jesus. So by the end, listen to me. Before you leave this building, church, listen to me. Somebody's going to make you lose your patience. Somebody's going to make you lose your patience. You're going to be challenged with patience. You're going to be challenged with kindness. You're going to be challenged with not bringing up something from the past. You're going to be challenged with this. Listen to me. Before you leave this building. And so, the way you overcome that is not, is not by saying, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. It's by looking to Jesus. And Okay, so uh, we're going to close. Um, in my, um, I, I, I've been with my wife for over 20 years, and we met when I was 17. I'm a little bit older than 17 now, right? So we've been together for like two years. Um, no. <laughs> right, so, um, so I'm a little bit older than 17. And um, the way I, I described our relationship, the, when I do like couples retreats or when I do, you know, when I talk to relationship workshops, I say, um, okay, so if you can think of um, New Orleans when the levees broke and the water flooded, the whole deal, right? And then 9-11 and then the tsunami that hit India a few years ago. You remember that? Like a couple hundred thousand people died and all that. Okay, if you put all those three together on the same day, every day for 10 years, you'll understand how my marriage was. It was a nightmare. It was traumatic, it was traumatic. Um, in, I, I scarred my wife in ways that will probably may never heal. Um, it was just awful. And there was one particular season in our lives where I felt like I was being the good guy. You ever feel like self? It's called self-righteous. You ever feel like that, right? Now you're not actually righteous. You're righteous in your own eyes. That's what self-righteous is. And so, and so I, I felt like I was being uh, disrespected, mistreated, and all that. And, um, and I remember getting so angry at my wife. I remember saying this. That's it. I'm going to tell your father. And her father had passed years before. I was going to talk to God about how horrible she was. Right? And so that's what I did. I started to um, talk to the Lord. And, and it so happened that I, you know, I have a, uh, a way that I read the Bible. I try to read the Bible twice a year. And so um, I was reading through the Bible, and it just so happened that, not just so happened, providentially, God had me um, in the book of Hosea. Now, in the book of Hosea, just because some of you have never read the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea is about a prophet who marries a whore, like a woman who's beyond promiscuous. She's a whore. A prophet it marries the whore, and as I'm reading it, I'm going, yeah, 
I'm the prophet. Like in the story, I'm the prophet. My wife's the unfaithful one. And, and yeah, I'm angry. And she, you know, and, and then Hosea says, you know, so, you know, like you have the right, you know, it's wonderful. You know, you're not, you don't have to stuff your feelings in the Bible. Read the Bible. He says, may her breasts shrivel up. May her, like he's angry. Like she's doing what whores do, right? It's an awful thing that's happening to Hosea. And so um, I, I'm reading the book. And then I get to like the third or fourth chapter. I can't remember. And God hits the punchline. The punchline is that God is the prophet and I'm the whore. That's the punchline. That God is the righteous one and I'm the one. And I mean, I'm talking about like I'm praying like precatory prayers. Like, you know what precatory prayers like when you pray curses on people. I go, God, bend her knees or break her legs. But you got to humble her, boy. And you got to, you know, like, you know, and it's just like, you know, have you ever done that? Right. Like, you know, people who you, you are not wrong. They are wrong. And, you know, you've done all that and, ah, and all that stuff. And, and, and I was just saying, God, you know, really give it to her good. And he said, you know, Ed, I could speak into her heart if she wasn't focused on how much of a jerk you were being. Because I thought that she needed something from me that I did not desperately need from God. I was self-righteous. I wasn't Christ-righteous, which is receiving my righteousness from Christ. I was self-righteous. I had viewed myself. Listen to me. In every situation, in every circumstance, in every interaction, nobody, nobody needs more forgiveness than you do from Christ. Nobody has ever cheated. Nobody has ever hurt. Nobody has ever wounded. Listen to me. I went into a room with a guy and I died that day. I was a very young boy, and horrible, horrible things happened to me. That guy does not need more forgiveness from me than I need from Jesus. I wish you could feel that. Nobody has ever offended, hurt, betrayed, cursed, sinned against, lied, mistreated, been unfaithful, more than you have been towards Christ. Because when they've sinned, been unfaithful, when they've hurt, when they've hurt me, they've hurt another sinner who has been just as bad to other people. Like it's one thing, right? It's one thing to see a professional boxer up against a professional boxer. These guys are trained. But it's horrible to see like a professional boxer up against like a little boy. That's abusive. I have, they, they were sinners who sinned against another sinner, me. When I've sinned against Christ, I've sinned against someone who has loved me perfectly, who has never done me any wrong, who has only given me love, who has only forgiven me, who has only honored me, who has only loved me, who has only sacrificed for me, who has only, listen to me. So how do we become more loving? How do we become the person that we're looking for is looking for? How does that happen? Anybody know? Hope I've been clear. Look to Christ. Ponder Christ. Meditate on Christ. Let me ask you this. What does your husband need from you? What does he need? Is it forgiveness? Is it that he just can't, you know, he doesn't get the memo? You've been telling him 500 times. Is there anything that Jesus has told you 501 times that you perhaps have not gotten the lesson to? What does your wife need from you? Is she consistently, habitually, always doing this thing. What, what does she need from you? There's nothing that she needs from you that you don't need 10 times more, 10 million times more from Jesus. With that being said, here's my charge for you. This is not a sexy talk, but it's a necessary one. Everything, everything is the gospel. The gospel permeates everything. They don't deserve my kindness. I don't deserve Christ's kindness. Then sit there. Don't just go, I don't deserve Christ's kindness. Go, I don't deserve Christ. Why? Why? Because remember, I went outside, but he forgave me. But remember, I, was, I promised and I didn't follow through, but he forgave me. Remember, I, I, I swore, but and then I broke my oath, but he forgave me. And you sit with that. And you don't. 
but they betrayed me. But my friend, they, I gave them love and honor and respect. And they, Jesus knows what it's like to have his friends betray him. He knows what it's like to have his closest friend sell him. He knows what it's like for me to sell him out. And it didn't take me 30 silver coins. Sometimes it was just a wink or a kiss. I would sell Jesus out in a heartbeat. It's by focusing, pondering. Since we don't have this love, and Jesus does, and we become what we love, worship, and focus on, let's love, worship, and focus on Jesus and let that love transform us and play its part in the lives of those we hit. Let's pray. Lord, um, the truth be told, oh God, um, I, you know I don't, oh my goodness, you so know I don't love with the kind of love that we describe today. Thank you for the mercy and the kindness and the forgiveness you've given me and my wife and my children and my friends and the people that I pastor. Lord, help me to meditate on Jesus Help me to look, gaze upon, wonder about, daydream about, focus on what Jesus has done in my life, what he's done in the lives of those that I are surrounded by. Lord, I, I pray that you would as you lead me to look to you, that those who are around me, nobody has ever needed my patience more than I've needed yours. Nobody has ever needed my kindness more than I've needed yours. Nobody's ever needed my love more than I've needed yours. Nobody's ever needed my forgiveness more than I've needed yours. Lord, let me meditate, focus on yours. Lord, it's so easy for me to focus on the sins that are committed against me. Help me to focus on the sins that were forgiven me in you. Let that be what stirs, changes, transforms, moves, delights, shifts my thinking. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. For we do pray in Jesus' name. We're going to sing the more.